Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today we have a great story of revenge against an ex-landlord. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, my cousin's revenge baby announcement. My cousin was married just over a year ago, and unfortunately one tone-deaf, self-centered friend and their girlfriend used the opportunity to stage a proposal. They were already engaged but planned this proposal event when they saw and liked the venue, which they wouldn't be able to afford for their own wedding. When this plan came to light, they were politely but firmly asked not to do it, but main character alert I guess. They were absolutely obnoxious about it too, stopping the reception to call a toast to themselves and ordering everyone off the dance floor so they could have a proposal dance. Now their wedding is approaching and my cousin is pregnant and she has plans for her baby announcement that may just coincide with the wedding time and place. And we have a couple of close friends who know about this and are planning on bringing baby shower gifts. Cousin has too much class to entirely take over the wedding, but revenge will be had. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable that they even had this proposal event, but then to have the gall to say, all right, everybody off, we're going to have a proposal dance. That is crazy. They deserve it. Also, hi, I'm Steven. And if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is left the boot of an Uber open after driver treated me and my family with contempt. I was looking for an Uber premium to schlep three adults and two kids to the airport, along with an assortment of luggage. The driver showed up in a small vehicle and refused to admit that he cheated me by registering his stinking small vehicle as a premium. He did the bare minimum to figure out how everything will fit together, and while we were very uncomfortable, he had the audacity to stop the vehicle for gas shortly before we reached the airport. At the end of the trip, he kept inside the car and looked the other way while I got down and got all my luggage out. While leaving, I decided not to crab the boot. Walking away, I turned around to stare at him and gloat that he had to step out of his crappy vehicle to close it. Totally worth the one star. Question for the Uberers of the world, when you get a one star review, is there any way to contest that? Or can it just be inherently malicious both ways, whether somebody who went along just wants to give a one star to the driver or the driver wants to give a one star to the passengers? Is it just a you get what you get and there's nothing more to it? Or can you go down the whole customer support venue and try to get it removed, if you care enough to do that? Our next story is Coworker Fired for Sitting. Way back in the late 1900s, I worked for a large grocery chain that goes by several names, depending on what part of the country you're in. We had a cashier who had surgery about three weeks earlier and he had a hard time standing for a long time, so he did the obvious thing and brought in a stool to rest on while he worked. The manager said he couldn't have a stool and would need to get rid of it because the company policy said no sitting while clocked in, evidently not even on breaks. The cashier tried and failed to finish his shift and ended up leaving early. He did this a couple times and eventually was fired for poor work performance. Cue malicious compliance. Now, I worked as a night crew stalker, which means I unload the truck, load up the go packs, and stock the aisles. I also took out all of the trash for the admin offices. 
While I was cleaning the offices, I removed every chair I could find and loaded them into the Gobatch truck. I also printed out a letter in bold wording to the effect of, All employees are reminded they are not to sit while clocked in. No one knew it was me because we were always short-staffed and I usually loaded the Gobatch truck myself. The next night, the manager came in and exploded at the disrespect and yada yada yada. He ordered a new chair, but it didn't arrive for a couple days and no new chairs came to replace the others, just his, so I shipped it back again. This time, they caught me the next day, but his chair was already gone. I was fired, and they were threatening me with petty theft and whatnot, but since I just shipped the chairs to the warehouse, they didn't really have a leg to stand on. One of my friends said that the chairs were all returned a couple nights later, and everything went back to normal. Aw man, now that I write this out, there wasn't a happy ending. Guess they didn't have a leg to stand on, but they still had a chair to sit in. Rules for thee, not for me. Our next story is, drive your own dang car, pal. I was driving home one day after a long day of military silliness when I came upon a man who used his car as his office. Or so I assumed. I pulled onto the main street behind him, and he drove up to a red light and, as we waited, started doing something in his passenger seat. Not paying the slightest attention to the signal, He sat there, totally absorbed in whatever he was doing, and never noticed when the light went green. I waited a second and then tapped my horn. His head shot up and he started forward with a jerk. The rush hour timing ensured that we hit the next light as it was turning red. So he stopped and went back to whatever it was he was doing in the passenger seat. Again, the light changed and I had to tap my horn to get him moving. This continued for several lights until it got to the point where he jerked forward before even looking up when I hit my horn. Finally, I got to the intersection where I would turn left, and I was over-freaking-joyed to get out from behind this jerk. I pulled into the turn lane and found myself level with the dork, who was busy with whatever was on his passenger seat. I was behind a Honda Civic, and he was behind a cop car? Hmm. I finally shrugged, grinning, and tapped my horn. Sure enough, like Pavlov's dog, he automatically hit the gas and his car jumped forward the two feet needed to tap the cop car's bumper. He looked up in a panic while the cop coolly stared into his rearview mirror. Then he turned on his lights and gestured for the man to pull over to the curb beyond the intersection when the light changed. I turned left and whistled a happy turn all the way home. This story feels so relevant because it feels like everybody I see is on their phones at any traffic light nowadays. It seems like every time I'm out driving and I hit some kind of red light somewhere, there's always somebody somewhere along the line that is ahead of me on their phone. And you have to toot your horn to get them to go. What's frustrating is there's one stretch where there's a light that goes so freaking quick that I have to go by pretty often. And because you have somebody there on their phone, you literally have to wait the next light because it just goes that quickly. Like, unless you're going as soon as the light changes, you're just about screwed. Our next story is, Girl, did you just see how I dented this door? About 25 years ago, I'm on my way home from a night out and my route takes me right past this awesome Chinese food joint called La Joy. Plenty of space in the parking lot. I go inside and I'm waiting in line to order some carryout. Two drunk and loud women come in and get in line behind me. They were laughing and talking, so I could clearly hear them right behind. One says to the other, Did you see the dent I left in that door? Someone's gonna be ticked, laughing. There were only a few people in the restaurant, and only a few cars in the lot, and I coo, just hoping they didn't damage the newly acquired Golf, a crap box, but better than what I'd been driving as a poor college student. 
So I get my food and head out to the parking lot only to see another car. Buick Park Ave, I think. It was a nicer car, parked super close to my driver's door, and a big dent in the panel. These girls were hammered, and I wasn't going back in and asking for their... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Insurance and ID? Den my door and come stupidly laughing about it in a public place? I pulled out my keys and tore their paint up so bad I could barely use the key to open the door when I got home. If they would have came in and started asking for the owner of the car, I would have said it wasn't a big deal. I laughed the whole way home. Well, at least OP was in a situation where their car door got dented in and they were able to go home laughing about it. Our next story is, flipped over my coworker's business cards and she was ridiculed out of HR when she threw a fit. Hi fellow Redditors, I'm a long time lurker but first time poster here. To start, I have so many stories regarding this coworker, but I'll post those sometime in the future. For context, I work at a well-known luxury department store in a shoe salon. To start, let's call this horrible coworker HC. I'd been working here for about 8 months when they brought in horrible coworker. None of my team was thrilled, especially considering our boss had said he would stop after he hired coworker number 7. We work solely on commission, so the more people means less of the pie. This is kind of important later. Her first day inevitably came, and while at first things were okay for about a month, the drama and toxic environment soon followed. In the past, I've just found it extremely difficult to trust my gut because of my severe anxiety, but this time I just knew instantly I got trashy vibes from her on day one and knew I wasn't going to be able to trust her. I won't go into full detail, but here are some general instances for y'all to better understand how much of a trash person horrible coworker is. 
She's lied and thrown her team under the bus if it benefited her multiple times. Whenever we called her out on her toxic behavior, horrible co-worker would run to our HR department and spin a web of more lies and drama. Our team used to be super chill amongst one another when it came to helping clients, but with her, she was a shark. Horrible co-worker would stalk every client and push them to try on shoes and buy them, which sometimes worked frustratingly well, and it ticked us all off and made us feel like we were trying to fight for scraps. Don't forget, we work solely on commission, so this was affecting our paychecks. Not only would horrible co-worker stalk, but she would steal clients. I have confronted her multiple times, only for her to make up some excuse and not give my client back to me. Mind you, our store is prided in the relationships we build with our clients, so this was a giant no-no. She has shown up to work extremely hungover, drunk or coked up or all of the above at the same time. She has gotten aggressive with some of the sweetest co-workers I know and has shoved them or gotten up in their face. Oh, and just being completely uncordial or unprofessional to them. Horrible co-worker has messed up countless times with clients, giving them the wrong size or refusing to ever return their items. At this point, it had been over a year she'd been here and I now hated this job. Every day I came in and saw she was working too, I was absolutely miserable. We'd all gone to my managers, but there was nothing they would really do. Eventually, we found out that a horrible co-worker began dating one of the managers in our store. In the ethics code, that is punishable by instant suspension and or termination for both involved. We found out that because he worked in the back, he was giving her online curbside sales. I don't know how they did it exactly, but she was getting thousands in extra sales because of this, which is a giant red flag because this is considered fraud. Our loss prevention lead also agreed that it was very suspicious, as did our state HR director, but nothing was ever done. At this point, I was fed up and didn't know what to do. I have remained professional and I'm a very anxious person who avoids getting into conflicts, so I didn't know what I could do to get back at her for all the crap she's pulled. So at some point on a day she wasn't working, I just walked over to where our business cards were and I flipped them over backwards, thinking she would just flip them back over, right? Oh, how deliciously wrong I was. I found out about a month later from a close coworker that horrible coworker freaked the heck out and immediately ran to HR and loss prevention, demanding they investigate and find out who did this, complaining that we all hated her and that this was a breach of respect. Well, remember how I mentioned horrible coworker would run to HR for literally anything we called her out on or any lies she spun up? Let's just say she was not welcomed with open arms on this. HR just sat there like, really? This is what you're here for? Grow up and flip them back around. And loss prevention was like, lord almighty, give me strength. Are you serious right now? To which they actually entertained it and asked two of my coworkers if they did it, which they responded no. The managers then berated her for this and wasting their time. It was mildly petty. I know it's not the most petty thing ever to flip the cards, but it backfired so beautifully and I feel as smug as Jeremy Clarkson to this day. And several months later, they finally fired her and her manager boyfriend's butts because they got concrete proof of them being together. And this situation just added to her case being built against her. Since then, we're all in happy spirits again. My anxiety has lessened significantly, and while I'm still leaving eventually to go into a completely different career, I'm starting to like this job again. Oh, and the paychecks are much better now. 
Horrible coworker, if you're here and reading this, I want you to know that it was me that flipped over your dang cards and we're all dancing over your career's grave right now. For somebody who was so blatantly doing something that could get them suspended or terminated just like that, it's impressive how invincible they seem to think they were. Our next story is Home Center Jerk. So a few decades ago, I worked overnights in a home center stocking. This one guy would always come in around 7am who was a jerk. I got fed up, and one thing I noticed about him is every morning he would go to the vending machine for a chocolate milk in a carton. One of those machines where every product has its own little door you open by sliding it sideways. After a few weeks of scrutiny, there was finally a night where there were only two chocolate milks left. I purchased the first one and drank it, then purchased the second one as well but held the little door open while I did so. I folded the top of the carton nicely closed, put the empty chocolate milk back, and let the little door close shut again. Went back to work. 7am I'm going to punch out and I hear someone screaming from the break room. He's so mad that he has the machine and he's trying to push it over. Fortunately for him, he fails. I'm just putting my stuff in my locker and he's telling all the other opening shift people what happened. I never admitted it. So don't get me wrong, if you do any kind of vending machine thing and you get screwed out of your money, it's understandable to be upset. But you have to be a real just whiny kid to freak out and throw a tantrum and try to flag down everybody else on the shift and say, oh, listen to what happened to me. I mean, get over it and buy another 2 or $3 chocolate milk, bro. Our next story is last minute mandatory Saturday training. Fine, but you're going to feel that mileage. 15 years ago, I worked at a company that had regular mandatory training courses throughout the year. They always gave us plenty of notice, and we, co-workers, would usually carpool together to make the one-hour drive less boring. And it also saved the company money as they paid for mileage. There would be five employees in one vehicle, which was fine. But after a few years, the company became really, really concerned with their profit and seemed to no longer care about the employees. So one day, they decided that employees had a mandatory training, but it was the following day, a Saturday, with not even 24 hours notice. They didn't care that we all had plans and families, the training was mandatory. So I went to every employee and shared my concern that the training tomorrow was way too short notice to carpool. I made sure we were all aware that it was too late to arrange a carpool for the one hour drive. We would all have to drive ourselves. So the next day, 45 employees drove their own vehicle to the training. The parking lot was full and some had to park in an overflow area or on the street. The admins were livid on Monday when they got 45 mileage sheets turned in and found out how expensive a last minute mandatory training could be. I mean, they asked for it. What could they have honestly expected? If anything, they should be thrilled that they had 45 mileage sheets. That kind of turnout for a mandatory, not even 24-hour notice meeting is fantastic. This next story is Revenge on Abusive Boyfriend. I made the mistake years ago of dating and living with a very verbally abusive guy on and off for about two years. He was an extreme control freak. He had a job where he was required to travel almost 100% of the time to other states. So he would be gone for four to five days every week. The corporate office where his boss was located was in another state. He didn't want to travel because he couldn't control me if he wasn't home, so he would talk to customers over the phone instead of traveling to their location. However, he still wanted the thousands of dollars in expense money that he was used to getting every month. This was 30 years ago, so technology was still somewhat primitive. 
He would fabricate receipts and create fake expense reports to submit. His boss kept requesting the original copies of his receipts and he would spend hours on the phone with them arguing until they would finally just let it go and pay him. He did this for at least a year, so it ended up being a lot of money, over $50,000 at the time. After I left him and was safely in a new place, I waited a few months and called his boss and told him what he was doing. I knew my ex's neighbor and I ran into him a couple of years after that. The neighbor told me the sheriff and FBI showed up at my ex's house and he was charged with fraud and embezzlement. I don't know if he went to jail, but he of course lost his job and his house and car and had to file bankruptcy. It was sweet revenge. Well, if they didn't go to jail, they certainly had to pay back a lot of money, probably with some form of interest and legal fees, probably. I think it goes without saying, but don't do grand theft. Don't embezzle, it's probably better for you long term. Our next story is, driver promised parking spot I waited 20 minutes for to another driver. In college, I usually get to campus an hour or so before class begins because parking was tight. I would pick an aisle and then sit and wait for a spot to become available. The wait varied. This particular morning, I see a man approaching his parked car. He sees me idling in my car, obviously waiting to park. Another car entered the aisle as if the driver was following behind this man. The man then pointed to the vehicle behind him and tells me he had promised the driver his spot. I chose to ignore him and maintained my position. The driver from the approaching vehicle proceeded to roll his window down and shouted that he was promised the parking spot. I told him that wasn't possible since it wasn't the other driver's spot to promise. The man got into his parked car and attempted to leave from an angle favoring the other vehicle waiting for the spot. This maneuver proved impossible. A standoff ensued for approximately 7 minutes with all three vehicles, the man wanting to leave and the other driver waiting to claim the spot he was promised. I'd already waited 20 minutes or so for a parking spot and was going nowhere. Well, being the New Yorker I was, I slowly positioned myself for the spot while the man rolled out. Did not want to say man pulled. After the spot was vacated, the other driver attempted to take the spot and I simply blocked his access and parked my vehicle, still in the aisle. Neither of us could access the spot, but we were both determined. Looking back, I can't say I'm proud of my next move, but I'm already in deep. While parked, blocking the other vehicle's access to the parking spot, I reached into my book bag and whipped out the biggest textbook I had and proceeded to page through my book slowly. There was no eye contact. I had the time and I was going nowhere. After about 10 minutes, I guess the other driver figured out how this was going to end. He left and I parked. As mentioned above, I am a New Yorker and even though this took place elsewhere, I anticipated some repercussion. Can't leave said actions to fate. Yes, after all that, I claimed the parking spot. Then I found myself a different spot and moved my car. So it's safe to say no car was keyed, tires slashed, or windows broken in this story. If I had to do this over, would I have taken said action? Definitely not. Nor would I recommend it. No point in being dead right. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I would honestly be afraid that this guy who was that upset about it and so insistent that he get that parking spot would find his way back to my car at some point and try to do something. I mean, shoot, I'd be afraid that they like try to get my license plate number and track it down somewhere else, even if I did move the car. Our next story is, so you want something my dad left? You'll get something my dad left. As context, my dad died three years ago. 
had a crazy girlfriend I'll call Clara. I've written some stories of conflicts with her that happened about 20 years ago. She was a scumbag with us. After my father died, she tried to obtain info about us through common friends of dad. We asked them to say nothing about us to her, but obviously respect personal space wasn't one of her strong features. Well, she decided to show up in my dad's house, bother my sister, tell her that we were family and ask her that if her heart was so kind to give her a gold ring my dad got from my grandfather. My sister was very disturbed and only managed to say that she would talk to us about the matter. Clara gave her new address if we wanted to go see her and left. When sis told us the matter, we agreed to gather and talk. So we decided to go to the restaurant owned by one of dad's best friends, Lou. Lou was happy to see us and we shared great stories about dad. Suddenly, Clara's name came up and Lou told us that when she worked there, she asked for some money using dad's and Lou's bond that she never gave back. Back then, dad started to pay back, but he died. So Lou gave up about the money owed, about 1500 US dollars. I laughed and asked Lou if he would like to ask Clara for the money. He said he was remodeling, so the money would be very useful. I asked Lou only one condition. I would drive him to Clara's home. We gathered the next weekend, took the ring and Lou with us, asking him to wait in the car until I called him. Clara was so happy to see us and asked if we brought her what she asked. I said yes and showed the ring, but I'm going to give you something even better, the opportunity to honor my dad's memory and word. Never contact us again. So I asked Lou to come as we left for the car with the ring. OP actually added in the comments that Lou on the ride back home said that she gave him around $200 and agreed to pay monthly, so hey, this actually kind of worked out for Lou too. I mean, even if she doesn't pay monthly, at least Lou got $200 of that $1,500. This next story is Revenge on an Ex-Landlord. To know why I did what I've done, you must know the backstory. I'm a good tenant. I like paying rent early. I keep the house clean. I don't punch holes in walls or slam doors. On purpose or do anything to deliberately cause harm to the house. I rented a house for a year, not in an HOA, but right out of the gate the landlord was giving bad vibes. Flat out told me he refused to renew a lease because they didn't keep the lawn mowed, but we needed a place. Who is we, you ask? Me, my significant other, and my mother, who I'd been taking care of for about a decade. The landlord never properly fixed things that needed fixing, and the house wasn't even properly cleaned when I moved in. There was still kitty litter on the floors for crying out loud. I only asked him to fix two things the entire time we were there, and both times I practically had to beg him. I even offered to pay for someone to fix it myself and he said no, and still refused to fix it. But none of this deserves revenge. It's the sign of a crappy landlord, but that's standard. No, no. It was when one of the most traumatic events of my life happened. I found my mom passed away one morning. There were cops and crime scene techs on property. Despite everything, we were working with the victim services rep to figure out how to tell the landlord. At the same time, apparently our neighbors, who were also renting from the same landlord, had informed him that something happened and that there were crime scene techs on scene. So what does this respectful, good landlord do on the worst day of my life? Call us repeatedly until someone answered including my mother. I was still talking to the police. Freak you, dude. Just freak you right up the butt, sir. Now, it's important to note the electric was in my mom's name. We split the bills up evenly to make her feel safe. She had trust issues and trauma. I was not listed on the account. Didn't think I needed to be. 
It was a pain in the butt to get the electric turned off. They needed a death certificate, which I get. I thought that when the contract expired, it would turn off. I was wrong. Or that the landlord would get the electric turned back on in his name, which he should have. I was wrong on both counts. I found out about this last week. This weekend, we had a big hard freeze here. I got the electric turned off the day before the freeze hit, and since he doesn't live there, and of course no one is touring homes in freezing weather, the likelihood of them finding out it was off anytime soon is very, very low. Dear sir, I hope the way you treated us was worth it. I hope the extra couple months of free electricity was worth it, and I sincerely hope your pipes freeze and freaking burst, sir. Now, I mean, to be fair, to play devil's advocate, if you are told, hey, there's a crime scene tech at your place, you'd probably have a lot of questions and want to understand what exactly is going on, and you'd probably want to try to call the tenants to figure out what is going on. To be completely fair, if I were the landlord and I was told that, my first thought wouldn't automatically be, oh, maybe one of them passed away, I shouldn't call them just in case, like, it's too soon or something. That said, this landlord was all around terrible. And if OP's not picking up, spam calling is not the tactic. They still absolutely deserved what they got in the end. Our next story is when academics get petty. Many years ago, I was hired to teach the coursework of a tenured professor. Dr. Better was probably tired after teaching those courses for many years. And after she was promoted into an administrative position in the dean's office, she convinced the department to hire someone else to teach them. I was very excited when I learned she had been asked to onboard me because I was new to the department and the institution, and she was the only other person in our college who had expertise in that field. In my mind, I had gained a potential mentor. After years as an adjunct, I was also eager to show I was a good hire. I had earned my graduate degree at a non-Ivy League college, so I knew I'd have to prove myself. I soon was to learn that most days, Dr. Better was too busy to give me the time of day, much less answer questions about the four new courses I was to teach. There was never time. Not wanting to appear incompetent, I worked extra hard, made other connections, and survived my first year as a tenure-track professor, always hoping she would one day say hello or invite me to lunch as she did with other new hires. When the department chair asked how things were going, I lied, afraid it would get back to her and hurt my chances of someday getting mentored by Dr. Better. Ironically, everyone assumed she'd been helping me because, as everyone was fond of reminding me, we were the only ones in that field in the entire college. After my first year, I gave up on Dr. Better, noticing how there was nothing I could do to get her to notice my work. I learned through the grapevine she didn't consider my preparation rigorous enough. In her mind was not a top candidate deserving of her time. After three years, I took stock of my life and career and decided to start seeking a position closer to my hometown. My exit strategy would be to leave immediately after getting tenured. But, because my performance evaluations had been excellent, and she was the only person who could speak to my expertise in the field, I made the mistake of requesting a letter of recommendation for my tenure files. She never wrote it. Other senior professors wrote great letters praising my performance. But Dr. Better was the only one who did not deliver. I left the institution for a better job after six years and stayed in touch with many colleagues. Ten years later, I was invited to a faculty reunion and decided to attend, expecting Dr. Better to ignore me, as usual, but I was wrong. She sat at my table, asked me how I was doing, 
and after some chit-chat told me, without the faintest show of contrition, how sorry she was that she never wrote me a letter of recommendation. But was it true I landed on my feet? I left the reunion with a sour taste in my mouth, but not being naturally vindictive, I forgot about it. It takes a lot for me to be petty, but she succeeded. I live far away from the town where I used to work, so I never attended another reunion. Then a mutual friend from that era was passing through my town a couple of years later, and we had lunch. During lunch, my dear friend commented on how Dr. Better wished she had gotten to know me during my time at her university. Really? She said that? I couldn't believe my ears. Oh yes, and she gave me a message. She wants to get in touch with you to invite you to our next faculty reunion at her house, but you first need to accept her friend request on Facebook. I hadn't blocked her first and second requests, but I had clicked the ignore button. I said, well, just tell her to send me another friend request and tell her that she will definitely get my message this time. I did get a friend request from her two days later, and I ignored it again. I hope she got my message. You gotta love the tactic of build somebody's hope up that you're going to give them something, that person being somebody that treated you so badly in the past, just to leave them with that perfect moment where their smile of, it's going to happen, we're going to connect, instantly fall into a huge frown when they realized what they just got served. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.